So this morning we begin a series, a three-part series of the Christian who won't quit. The Christian who won't quit. So I want to start this morning and I want to ask you this question. How many of you have ever struggled to complete something you set out to do? How many of you have ever struggled to complete something you set out to do? Right, you set a new goal. And can I remind you this morning that a goal without a plan is simply a wish? Right? A goal without a plan is simply a wish. So you set a new goal. You wanted to form a new habit. You wanted to try a new hobby. You set out to finally conquer that thing in your life that you've been avoiding. How did it go? Did you follow through to the end? Or did you quit along the way? You see, I want to ask you, why do we struggle to complete tasks or projects? Why do we struggle? I don't know. I, I mean, I'm admitting this morning, I struggle to complete tasks and projects. Maybe this message is, maybe I'm preaching to myself this morning. Maybe not. We struggle to complete tasks because we get distracted. We lose interest. We find out that it's hard. We become discouraged. We meet opposition. And so I want to ask you this morning, when was the last time you tried something new? See, for me, I love technology. I don't use it necessarily on Sunday mornings, but I love technology. For the better part of my professional career, technology has paid the bills. Whether it was social media or taking pictures. I've worked on computers and around computers since I was in middle school in the mid-90s. And so I set out and, and I thought, okay, I want to begin this new habit. And some of the tools that we have that are free, that are in your pocket, on your phone, are really, really helpful. And one of those is the Bible app. It's by a company called Uversion which has translated God's word, has God's word in many translations, and they give it away. Why? Because they deem scripture to be important. And they want people to interact with scripture. And so one of the things that they do is they give you where you can have a devotional reading plan. What's cool about it is not only can you do that plan, but you can also set a reminder. You can say, hey, I want you to remind me at 8.30 a.m. every morning to read this plan. And so earlier this year, I started reading some different plans. And, and I don't know about you, but I think sometimes as we take next steps towards Jesus, as we take next steps in our relationship with Christ, as we take next steps in our walk, as we just take next steps in life in general, sometimes we need to, sometimes we set the bar too high. Amen? And, and we're never going to obtain that. I don't know about you, but as I was reading some of these plans, I would read like five-day plans or seven-day plans. Just because sometimes you can get discouraged or be like, okay, this isn't, as, this isn't as interesting as I thought it might be. So just broke it up into little chunks. I speed along to say this. I, it would tell you every day. So another thing that it does is it would tell you the number of days that you've been on a streak, that you haven't missed a day. And so it kept climbing and it kept going and it kept going. Well, guess what? One day I opened the app and it said, your streak is one day. What? I've been in this for like a while now. I had gone 107 days reading in that app, but I missed one day. 
the clock reset, the counter reset. I was back at zero. I was discouraged. Can I also give you a moment of transparency about Chris? I struggle to complete things. I know that about myself because people have leaned into me and told me that. I've taken assessments that tell me that. And over time, I have to have people and tools in my life to keep me on track. Amen? Because I know that's where one of my weaknesses are. And so regardless of whether it's your husband, whether it's your pastor, whether it's your boss, they are not going to be perfect at everything. Amen? They're going to let you down. And so as I think about this this morning, you know, as we begin this topic of a Christian who won't quit... I don't know about you, but in the day and times that we live in, it is easy to get distracted. It is easy to lose interest. It is not easy to continue on when you meet opposition, when it is downright hard. But we have to speak truth to the lies. Amen? We have to speak truth to the lies that the enemy will whisper. In the app situation that I told you about where I had gone 107 days and I missed one day and the streak started over at one enemy was like, look, you, you're, look at you, Chris. You can't do this. You're not good at anything. And then I had to step back and say, okay, wait a second, God. Help me see this your way. That's just an app. That was just a devotional. Right? I'm still taking next steps towards Christ. I'm still in his word preparing. I'm, in, I'm still trying to help disciple people. Amen? That's just one component of that. So we have to speak truth to the lies. And so we're going to be, as we enter this series, this three-part series of the Christian who won't quit, I invite you to turn to the book of Acts in chapter 1. So you're going to go into the New Testament. You're going to go past the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, why do I do that, by the way? I do that. Some of you saints have been here since, you know, they carved the Bible in stone. No. Um, some of y'all have been here for a long time. You've been in God's Word. But there are other people. You never know when you preach, when you teach, where someone is. And so that's a way of teaching people. That's a way of encouraging people how to find that. That's why I love doing that is because, hey, there's sometimes people will call out a book of the Bible and I'm like, whoa. Where's that at again? Okay, so we're to teach people. So I want you to turn to the book of Acts. And as you're turning there to chapter 1, I want to just kind of give you an overview of where we are. I will tell you this morning that I had a lot of fun preparing this message because I had to dig. And here are a few things that I learned. In your Bible, you will possibly see where it says the Acts of the Apostle as you turn to Acts chapter 1. And listen, this accurately reflects the contents of this book. Because it is a series of vignettes that chronicle the lives of the key apostles, mainly Peter and Paul, in the decades immediately following Christ's ascension into heaven. Why do I do this? Why am I giving you background? Because we have to set the tenor and the tone. We have to set the stage of where we are to understand what's going on historically, what's going on biblically, so that we get a picture, we get a glimpse of who the writer, Luke, is talking to. And so here, Acts provides us with a a valuable account of how the church was able to grow and spread from Jerusalem to the rest of the Roman Empire. And listen, let's not forget, in only three decades, a small group of frightened believers in Jerusalem 
transformed into an empire-wide movement of people who had committed their lives to Jesus. That's why the gospel spread, because there were people who were committed to making much of Jesus. The book of Acts is divided into two sections. It's first divided into, uh, the first section is the ministry of Peter in Jerusalem and Samaria. So that's Acts 1 through 12. And then we see the missionary journey of Paul through the Roman Empire. That's Acts 13 through 28. Listen, the apostles portrayed in Acts shine with evangelistic zeal showing a striking transition from the often misguided disciples of the Gospels. Listen, listen. Clearly, the apostles' faith in the death and resurrection of Christ produced a noticeable change in their hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? As I was reading and I was studying for this, it's like, okay, God, I get it. Because you're like, these, who are the, who are the apostles? You know, like Jesus goes to pray and he's like, man, you can't even pray for an hour. You know, I'm up here praying and you fell asleep. Or, you know, oh, you of little faith. But then in Acts, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, we see a noticeable change in these men. We see a notable change in their lives, in their mission, in what they're doing. So much so that Acts tells us that when they went out, people thought they were drunk with wine, but they were really filled with the Spirit. So I want to start our time together this morning, and I want us to look at one of the key verses in the book of Acts before we turn to the text that we're going to be studying. And so the reason I told you, or that I ask you to turn to Acts chapter 1 is I want you to see one of the key verses, which is found in verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And here's what it says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you, listen, will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Friends, we will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon us and we will be, not we might be, but we will be his witnesses. If you will, turn to Acts chapter 28, Acts chapter 28, the last chapter of the book of Acts. Our time this morning, we're going to look, we're going to be in Acts chapter 28 these next, this week and the next two weeks. I want to invite you to look at Acts chapter 28, starting in verse 11, we'll read 11 through 16. And if you will, we have not done this in a while, but it is biblically accurate and something that we should do more than we have, and I apologize for that. I'm going to invite you, if you are able, to please stand for the reading of God's holy and precious word. So please stand. We're going to read these verses, and then I will not make you stand the whole time while I preach. Amen. I'll let you sit down after we read the text. But here we go. So in Acts chapter 28, verse 11, we you'll see these similar words. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria, with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. And from there, we made a circuit and arrived at Reshaim. And after one day, a south wind sprang up. And on the second day, we came to Puteoli. There we found brothers, we found believers, and were invited. Y'all say invited. 
to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into Rome, Paul guided Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. Let us pray. Father God, may your word speak. Hide me behind the cross. May they hear from you and not Chris. Get out of me what you've put into me. Speak truth into our hearts and lives. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So as you're seated this morning, we're talking on this notion of the Christian who won't quit. The Christian who won't quit. If anybody had reason to quit, it would have been the Apostle Paul. See, Paul went from being the persecutor to the persecuted. You see, and so let me kind of set the, the tenor and the tone of the text that we're in today. So thus far, where we kind of jump into, we got to look at where Paul had been. So thus far, prior to where we are today, in this text in Acts chapter 28, Paul had been beaten with rods. He had been pelted with stones. He had been shipwrecked three times. How do we know that? 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-five. But then right before this, he had also been bitten by a snake. Now hold that thought for a second. I want to remind you this morning, in the midst of our shipwrecks, God has a plan. Amen? In the midst of our shipwrecks, God has a plan. You see, he, the people around him, when he was bitten by the snake earlier in this chapter, or actually I think it was in 27, somewhere right around in here, he was bitten by the snakes and they were like, he's going to die. So they're waiting for him to like puff up. They're waiting on him to kill over. And they're like, surely this man is evil. He, he's not going to live. He's bitten by the snake and he's going to die. But guess what? He didn't. Because why? God had a plan. God, God was not through with Paul at that point in his life. And so we see in the beginning of 20, in 27 and 28, we see where he goes and he prays over a man who is sick. And guess what? That man is healed. And when people heard about that man being healed, all these other people that need healing showed up. Now, how do you think that spread? Because God was at work. Amen. And other people wanted to see that. Other people wanted to experience that. And so let's jump into the text where we're at. And so after three months, so after three months, some translations will say following the shipwreck. So there had been a shipwreck and they had been there for three months. And Paul says, we set sail in a ship that had been wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as a figurehead. Now you might say, twin gods, what is that? Well, one of the things we need to know about that particular ship that they were on, those twin heads were probably on the front of the boat and it was the Roman gods of Castor and Pollux. And so what they were is it was for good fortune. They were signs of good fortune. And so in the midst of that shipwreck, they were looking to the Roman gods. But it was not the Roman gods who was going to save them, but it was the God, our God, who was going to save them. Amen. He was going to show them that in and through the gods they were worshiping, they were not going to save him. And Paul was not going to die. He was on that ship. Paul was not going to die in that shipwreck because that's not how God intended Paul to die. He was not through with him yet. Then we see in verse 12, putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. And from there, we made a circuit and arrived at Reshaim. 
And after one day, a south wind sprang up. And on the second day, we came to Pudioli, which is in Italy. It's still there. It's somewhere that you can go to. And then we get to verse 14. The, 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 the meat of this message will come out of verses 14 and verses 15, okay? And so then we see, he says, there we found brothers. In essence, they found believers and they were invited. They were invited. As we read the text this morning, I asked you to speak back to me and to speak the word invited. Can I remind you this morning this, that an invitation can change your life. An invitation can change your life. Not an invitation at the end of a message. Yes, absolutely, that is an invitation. And that is, I'm inviting you to connect with God. His Spirit is moved, and what is He asking you to do? And, and you need to do it. Why? Because He's put it on your heart then. And if you say, oh, I'll do that later, then you're going to go. We have already talked about this morning. You're going to get distracted. You're going to get pulled in many different directions. You're going to forget about that. You have to, when, and it's a serious time, friends. At the end of the message, it's time to do business with God. Amen? Because he's placed something on your heart. You've got to go apologize to somebody. You need to do something. You need to take a next step towards him. You need to work on this area in your life. You need to work on your attitude. You need to work on this anger. You need to work on this bitterness. Whatever it is, I don't know. That's between you and God, and his spirit will speak that truth into your life. So they were invited. And so this morning, it's funny because I just realized I haven't really introduced this in the text or in the message yet. Listen, a Christian who won't quit, there is fellowship with the other believers. We see that right here in verse 14 because he says, we stayed there seven days. We stayed there seven days. One thing I want you to see that there was fellowship and there was encouragement. Now, there's another neat fact that I want you to see in these verses as we go through them. Is Jerusalem is where the church started. Antioch was missions. We talk about missions today that we should go, we should send, uh, we should give, and we do that. They were doing that then. And Rome was the capital. Rome was the goal. And they were almost there. Then verse 15, we see this. And the brothers there, when they had heard about us, came from as far as the forum of Apias and three taverns. Can I remind you something else? Use technology to your advantage. Like, I have to... Um, I can't even think of the word I want to use, but I have to go through and I have to make notes when I'm reading this of like how to pronounce things. Use technology, right? Some of these words in the Bible you can't read, you can't pronounce. So go to BibleGateway.com. Um, Go to Bible Gateway, go to your Bible app, and let it read it to you. Amen? Use that to your advantage. We have tools and we have things that other generations did not have. So use those to your advantage. I'm not some smart, wise guy. I just use the right tools. Amen? And I learn and I grow based on other things that are at my disposal that most of the time, if not always, are free. Amen? Thank God for free resources. Thank God for people who put those things out there. So the form of a piece in the three taverns. Can I remind you of this? This is kind of like both of those places were about 43 and one was about 33 miles away. That's like Paul coming on the scene and somebody coming from, from Florence or Columbia. You know, and think about it now. We just get in our car and we, we make that trip. I mean, we make that trip as a family just to go out to eat. 
But can you think about that? That would have taken some travel. That would have taken some intentionality. That would have taken some time. There would have been dangers. There would have been things that they would have had to gone through. They could have not have gotten there quickly. But Paul came on the scene. They knew who Paul was. As I mentioned to you before, he went from being the persecutor to the persecuted. He was persecuting and killing Christians. But yet there on the old Damascus road, he was touched by Christ. He was blinded by Christ. And he realized his sin. And he went from somebody who hated and killed Christians Christians to one of the greatest apostles known who wrote the majority of the New Testament. So let me remind you of this this morning. This is fresh, hot off the press from the Holy Spirit that God can use anybody. The vilest person that you think is not worthy of Christ's love can become the greatest who he uses in his kingdom. Amen. God can use anybody. But then I love what it says and look with me in the text. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. In essence, Paul saw them and he's thanking God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. They're here. This is an encouragement. So Paul thanked God for them and he was encouraged by their presence. Verse 16, really quickly, and then I'm going to unpack some truths that I want you to see in this text. Verse 16, when he came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. In essence, Paul was on house arrest, right? He had been, he had been, um, he had been beaten. He had been pelted with stones. He had been shipwrecked. He had been imprisoned. And now, if we read the text, he's on house arrest. So when you think about somebody who's incarcerated today or somebody who's done something, you know, I mean, here it was, Paul was being punished for making much of Jesus. That day and time is coming, friends. It is, it is really close in America. Amen. Our brothers and sisters, a point of prayer that I want to remind you this morning. We need to be praying for the persecuted church. We need, you know, you come this morning and you sit in a padded pew in an air conditioned building and it's dry and it's safe and it's pretty and it smells good and it's clean. But there are brothers and sisters in Christ in Asia and other places that are going and they go to church in secret. They meet in secret. They meet in buildings that only have one little light and they, and, but they come together why because they someone is has introduced them to the gospel their lives have been changed and so they're going regardless of what the world says and and that they face uh, fear persecution and even death they want to be together there are other people you know we take god's blessed word and you say oh i love jesus then you go home and you throw it down and it's like you don't open it up and then you wonder why your life is the way it is and then you're like wait a second i probably need to read my bible where where did i put it Is it under this stack of papers or did I put it under here, right? There are other people in other places that they get one Bible and they literally tear pages out and and they come together and it's like they want to get together each Sunday or every time that they worship. Why? Because it's like, hey, you take this paper, let's trade these two and I'm going to read these and I'm going to study these. Why? There's a hunger for God's word. We have Bibles that have dust on them and there are people who don't even have the complete word of God. Amen? Pray for the persecuted church. So I want to ask you this morning, what about you? What do we do with a message like this? And we're talking about a Christian who doesn't quit is one who finds fellowship with other believers. So what do people say when they see you? Don't don't look around. Don't think about somebody else sitting beside you or behind you or in front of you. 
What do people say when they see you? Are they filled with joy? Are they filled with hope? Are they filled with courage? Are they filled with thankfulness? Did they do what Paul did? Did they thank God? Do they praise him or do they petition heaven? They think, oh God, thank you for, for sending Terry into, in my path today. I know she's going to give me an encouraging word. Or they're like, oh my gosh, Lord, just give me strength. I don't know what they're going to say today. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what they're going to complain about, Lord. Just guard my mouth. So are they think when you walk in, when they think of you, are they praising God or are they petitioning heaven? Before you walk into the room, before you dial that phone number, before you send that text, before you even open your mouth, your reputation precedes you. Your character precedes you. And friends, you're either going to be a blessing or a burden. So like Paul, do they seek to be with you or to avoid you? Think about that today as we think about this. A Christian who doesn't quit is one who needs fellowship with other believers. Are you a believer that someone seeks to be in your presence? Or are you someone they seek to avoid? I would say that we should always guard our hearts and our minds and pray that God, we would not be that Christian that someone would want to avoid. Why? Because that means that we are not honoring Christ in our lives, in our relationships. Are we going to have to have difficult conversations with people? Yes. Are there going to be disagreements? Yes. But we're to love people because the Bible tells us, you know, if you only love those who love you back, what good is that? That's paraphrased. But if you only love those who love you, what good is that? We're to love those who are never going to love us back in exchange. Because why? That's the call of the gospel. That's the call of being more like Jesus. So listen, the key idea that I want you to leave with this morning is a quote that I heard, and I'm passing on to you. A Christian that won't quit surrounds themselves with people who love God. That's simple, but it's true. A Christian that won't quit surrounds themselves with people who love God. So we're talking about fellowships this morning. So to understand fellowship, what is it? What is fellowship? Well, really quickly, fellowship is a family feeling. It is a partnership. We're in this together. It comes from a Greek word, koinonia. You can study that. You've seen throughout the New Testament, koinonia. It's an association. It's a close relationship. Friends, can I just, will you lean in for just a second? You can only get so close to somebody in a pew. I haven't said this in a while, but I believe it. And some of you could probably complete this sentence before I say it. But circles are better than rows. Circles are better than rows. What do I mean by that? You need to find, and one of your next steps, if you aren't already doing this, is to find a Sunday school class, to be a part of a, a small group, to be a part of a prayer meeting. Why? Because that is what fellowship is. 
That is what fellowship is. You experience fellowship when you share life's events. Now, this morning, we do have fellowship of the believers, and we're going to share in some life events. We're sharing in the life events with, with Betsy and Sam as they walk through this valley. We're praying for them. We're texting them. We're encouraging them. You guys have given above and beyond when we took up a love offering for them. That's what fellowship is. Fellowship is when there's a commitment in your relationship. Let's pluralize that. In your relationships. Fellowship is when there's trust present. And listen, listen. Fellowship is when there's understanding with other Christians. When there's grace. When you're extending grace. Is Bible fellowship a place of grace is it or is it a place of condemnation of ridicule of judgment is it a place of grace can i remind you this morning that fellowship begins with an invitation fellowship begins with an invitation fellowship is not a one time thing fellowship is not just sunday morning for one hour but it's a lifestyle it's a lifestyle as God has been stirring in my heart and in my mind and my spirit, he's just reminding me, listen, when God is in our midst, we want other people to know him. We want other people to experience him. We want other people to see the hand of God at work. Amen? You guys have shown me God is still at work at Bible Fellowship. If someone left me a note on a Connect card They said, I wish I could remember exactly what they said, but they're like, listen, you're making a difference, but don't let the enemy distract you. Don't let him get in your view. Keep going. Keep moving. Keep moving forward. That's what we need. Why? And that's a blessing. That's fellowship with that other person. That's that other person spurring me on. That's that other person encouraging me. When you come to church, it should be an encouraging place. Amen? But it should also be a challenging place to make us take a, uh, an inventory, an inspection of ourselves, our lives, our relationships, our attitudes, our heart, our beliefs. And it should be to make us to grow deeper. Because can I tell you what, if you have a surface level faith and you walk through a trial like Betsy and Sam are walking through right now, where are you going to be? Get to know God now. Get to know Him Every day, every moment, every opportunity that you can. Get to know him before you walk through that. Is he going to be there? Yes. As someone reminded me yesterday, if God isn't present, it's not God, it's you. Invite him in. Invite his presence. and Do as the psalmist says, Lord, create in me a clean heart with pure hands. Invite him into your life. When God is in our midst, we want others to realize that Jesus is still bringing hope to dark times. That he is still changing lives for eternity's sake. Listen, setbacks, trials, and unknown obstacles and delays will always exist. Let me repeat that. Setbacks, trials, and unknown obstacles and delays will always exist. Just ask Betsy. They're walking through that now. They're not off track, but they're on the slow track. Amen? They know that God is going to complete His will. 
However, you have to keep your focus. You have to keep your faith. And you have to finish well. I need you. People who are seeking Jesus and encouraging me to seek Him too. I didn't just stop that sentence and say, Hey, I need you. No. What did I say? I need you. I need people who are seeking Jesus and encouraging me to seek Him too. That's what it means. The Christian that doesn't quit will surround himself with other believers who loves Jesus, wants to make much of Jesus, who's going to encourage me to seek and to love like Jesus too. Can I remind you that fellowship is more than one hour together on Sundays? I've already said that, but listen. It happens wherever God's people are. Y'all hold on. You got to listen a little bit faster than you've been listening. And where are God's people? Where are God's people? They're everywhere. They are everywhere. Can I remind you that just this week, fellowship can happen in a florist shop? Went by and stopped and saw the doobies and talked to them. We haven't seen them, but they've also had a lot going on. Do you know what it's like to work full time? And as soon as you get off one night, you're going to visit one parent and one or one sibling. And one night you're going to visit your parent. When you get to the end of the week, as Jimmy prayed this morning, thank God for a day of rest. And they made the mention. They said, well, sorry, we haven't been to church. We plan on coming back. I said, it's okay. I said, we will minister to you how and when we can. Right? Because is it simply about coming to 227 Broad Street on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock? No. It's like some of you going and visiting our shut-ins, going and visiting those in the nursing home, and just showing up and saying, Hey, I remembered you. I love you. How are you doing? You're not forgotten. It can happen in a coffee house. Met a young man who's in a, a situation right now, and I told him, and I got to speak truth into his life, and I said, son, I said, you're in this situation because you know Christ. And as everybody else is anxious around you because this business may or not exist in three or four weeks, I said, you are to shine the light of Christ. Fellowship can happen in the floor shop. It can happen in the coffee house. It can also happen on a telephone call. This week I got a telephone call of someone that's got a need of a friend. And so they're concerned about that. And so what do you do? You listen. You listen and you're like, okay, what can we do? Who do we know? God, okay, so you think through all that stuff. But then at the end of the call, you know what? When we work, we work. When we pray, God works. Amen? That's the way it should be. So you know what we did before we got off the phone? I might could make a few calls, but who do we really want to work? We want God to work. So we saw his presence and asked for him to work through that situation. Can I also remind you that fellowship can happen around a dinner table, a living room, and during even during a car ride. Really quickly, I'll put this on our Facebook page, but I want to remind you that we need to be intentional on inviting people into our lives and spending time together in fellowship and pointing each other to Jesus. We're to point others to Christ. So listen, really quick, I will share this on our Facebook page because there's a lot at the very end of the message, but I want to give you an acronym for POINT. I want to give you an acronym for POINT. So the first is we've got to pray for others. We've got to pray for others. We've got to pray for opportunities to connect. We've got to pray for their salvation. We've got to pray for their walk. We've got to pray for needs in their lives. So to point others to Christ, we've got to pray for them. Secondly, we've got to offer what we have. 
and offer to help them in their time of need. So we've got to pray for others. We've got to offer what we have. And then third, my favorite word that just keeps popping up over and over again is we have to invite them into our lives and circles. We have to invite them to church. We have to invite them into times of fellowship. So we're to pray for others. We're to offer what we have. We're to invite them into our lives. We're to nudge them along the way. Notice I didn't say nag them. We're to nudge them. We're to encourage them. And can I remind you that no doesn't mean that you can't ask again down the road. If you ask another brother and sister in Christ to say, hey, will you join me for lunch one day and say, no, I'm busy. Okay. Well, that don't mean you ask them tomorrow, but maybe you just make a mental note. Hey, in two weeks, I'm going to ask them again. Next month, I'm going to ask them again. No doesn't mean you can't ask down the road. Listen, don't take it personal. Don't get discouraged. Keep praying. Keep encouraging. Keep shining the light of Christ. So we got to pray for others. We got to offer what we got. We got to invite them. We've got to nudge them along the way. And listen, last but not least, if we're going to point others to Christ, we got to thank God for people. Amen. We got to thank God for people in our lives. We've got to thank God for the next step that they've taken. We've got to thank God for those that invested in our lives and our walk with Christ. As we close this morning, maybe you've tried church and following Jesus. Maybe you tried to take a next step but you've met a challenge and you've lost your interest or gave up along the way. Can I remind you this morning that we worship a good and gracious God? It is not in your doing. It is Christ plus nothing equals everything. Amen? But He desires a relationship with us. He desires a relationship with you and with me. And so this morning, I just want to simply remind you that the Christian who won't quit is one who finds fellowship with other believers. The Christian that won't quit, we got to be like Paul. And when they showed up, man, he was, he was strengthened and he was encouraged. This week, when you walk into a room, are people going to be praising God or are they going to be petitioning heaven? Lord, help me deal with this one. I don't know what they're going to say. I don't know what they're going to do. Are they going to say, thank God. Thank God you sent them my way. Thank God that they always point me to you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for Paul's example. If there was ever one person in the Bible that should have quit, Lord, it was Paul. Lord, he had many reasons to quit. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was in prison. He was shipwrecked. But God, in and through it all, he realized that you had a plan and a purpose for his life. Just like you have a plan and a purpose for each and every one under the sound of my voice this morning. And so, Father God, I pray, my prayer is this morning, that we would find ways to encourage each other. That we would find ways to be in fellowship with one another. I think back about a grill And charcoal, God, when we put them together, it can be a blaze. It can be a flame. And if one falls out, it doesn't take long to become cold and hard. And so, Father God, I pray this morning that if anything, that someone here this morning will reach out this week and will go and just grab another brother and sister in Christ and say, Hey, I love you. I missed you. Jesus loves you. I need you because you help point me to Jesus. You need me because I'm going to point you to Jesus, because without him, we are nothing. 
Father, guide us, direct us in spirit and truth this week. We ask that you have your will and your way in our lives. In this church, we pray for those who are sick, who need a healing touch from you. We pray for our shut-ins who weren't able to be here this morning. God, we thank you for the many blessings. And we ask that you would just draw us closer to you this coming week. May we spend time in your presence. For it's in Jesus' holy and precious name I pray. Amen.